1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
2: chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tovala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T O V A L A dot Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com.
2: State of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, it's Thursday, JP Mason joins me as usual and Brian Degnan, who's normally on a Wednesday, comes in to make it a three, makes it a treble, you know, is it going to be a treble winning season, who knows, we are keeping it alive, just before we came online, there's plenty to talk about after last night, JP, Um I... I was talking to you leading up to this and you were asking about the Jota disallowed goal. I watched the game like most a lot of Celtic fans who weren't at the game. I watched it on the Red TV. So they didn't labour the discussion around Jota's disallowed goal. I watched it again this morning on Celtic TV. So we'll talk all about that as well. JP, you were up there at the game. game. Tell me, what was your experience last night?
1: Uh, Well... It kind of was inspired by uh, Sunday's uh, events and not getting a ticket for Motherwell away. Oh, I hadn't uh, heard.
2: You never got a ticket, no.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> certainly, uh, I certainly blew up a little bit on Monday. Um, I didn't, I didn't really expect that. That sort of uh, Twitter debate. My phone was going absolutely bananas. I had to turn my notifications off because it was just. Folk just jumping on it, calling us entitled, calling us spoiled and all this sort of stuff. And for uh, anybody that does, they know, somebody put uh, out Lisbon, Lisbon Lion, I can't remember the name of the Twitter handle, but he put up a post basically saying, why Why did Motherwell not give us more tickets when there was so many empty seats? And I replied <laughs> and tagged Alan Burrows, the CEO of Motherwell in it. And uh, he replied to me uh, with quite a lengthy... Uh, you know, three or four thread uh, post, and <laughs> you know I totally get what what he's saying, and I I, I don't disagree with it. Um, it might not be, you know, to everybody's you know sort of uh, a choice because obviously the loads of Celtic fans want to go and see the team home and away. Um, but yeah, he basically said he was building building something at Motherwell, didn't want to disrupt the home fans, um, you know. And long and short of it, he said, "Short-term pain for long-term gain was was kind of the the narrative, and uh, you know, it, it was a it was a it was a very kind of uh, not friendly. It was a friendly, you know, back and forward. There wasn't anything uh, bad about it, and then it ended up making the news that night. It was like the sun did an article on it." Record did an article on it, it uh, was on Super Scoreboard. <laughs> so
2: And you were, of, described, you were described, JP, as an angry Celtic fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and he even alluded to that when I went back to him and said, I didn't think you came across as angry at all, which is why I replied, you know. He said, other people took it in other directions. You know, the whole debate took it in other directions and he went, well, that's Twitter for you, isn't it? And I was like, mm. no. Yeah, it kind of is. So, but one person did reply and said, don't know why you didn't just get a mother of a home end ticket. There was a few of us did it, and we just sat and kept ourselves to ourselves, and nobody said anything. And I went, hmm, that's an idea. So that's what I did last night. Sat in the uh <laughs> with a mask on and a Man United scarf and uh, didn't cheer the Celtic goals, sort of four cheered the Aberdeen goals, stood up, gave it a kind of clap, and then sat back down and then just went, oh, no. Please don't let our title hopes evaporate in this
2: stadium while I'm in the home end. Oh, um, JP, Welsh people are jumping on you. Someone has got that footage. They're going to release it to say you're not really a Celtic <laughs> fan. Now you understand that, eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I'll take it. I'll take it. It was just good to be at the game because I just want to see the, the, the game. I don't want to watch it on a on a pay per view TV. And I tied it in. We're going for dinner with my uncle beforehand, so um, it was a win win for me and uh, and very much a win win because we got the three points. So.
2: Yeah, Alan Burrows falls out with angry Celtic fan at the weekend and then he fell out with Tony Watt last night. You've obviously rattled him, JP. Oh, did he? Bra- oh, totally. he did. Uh, no, no, in person. In person oh, at the game. Yeah, oh, at the game. <laughs> and um, both of them have come out and said it was uh, handbags and they love each other, etc. Brian, what's your take on this? Because, you know, it's an ongoing issue in Scottish football in that, you know, some uh, teams have relented uh, St. Johnston, for example, and then they've gone back and they've they've not given Celtic as much access, Celtic fans rather, as much access as they had done. If you are approaching this from a business perspective, every single club, I would guess, should um, sell as many tickets as they possibly can for every game against Celtic and every game against Rangers. Now, is that just me looking at it through green-tinted spectacles? Surely it's a, a good business decision to ensure that You know, I think St. Johnston had to ask something like 103 fans to move to allow Celtic an entire stand. So you think about the money for the tickets that St. Johnston sell to allow Celtic another stand, plus the average revenue per fan once they're in the stadium on pies and fruit shoots. And then obviously (laughs) you make a lot of money and you do it times four every season, twice against Celtic, twice a week. I mean, 103 fans, surely you can repay them in another way. Am I? Seriously, am I looking at this through a Celtic prism, Brian?
4: I don't think that I makes... Mean, I mean, you put it like that, it makes sense. I think um, I think Burrows, and his conversations with angry fans like JP, um, I think he actually put it across quite <laughs> well. I think he made a decent point. Uh, I think there's still ways around it. Um, you know, there's no reason why you know, they kind of rearrange some of their season ticket holders into certain sections and open it up bigger for their away fans, especially when it is Celtic Rangers, because you know they're going to get filled and you know it's going to make money. And is it going to make a huge difference to the, to the atmosphere? I mean, is it is it really that much of a debilitating factor for these teams to have more away fans in? I don't think so. Um, but again, it is always hard, right? Because for us, we would say, oh, we want more fans in there, we want more our fans in.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But I suppose with Burroughs, what he did do was communicate his reasoning behind it. <coughs> so whether you agree or not, you can't really see his point of view. And you go, right, well, OK, I can sort of see your point. Might not agree, but I get it. It's when the other teams sort of don't really have any sort of logical reason for it. And that's my, that just seems kind of petty, a wee bit silly to me. So I think it depends. Um, but with Burroughs, I actually think he, he, he came across fairly well, actually. Motherwell have done quite a lot recently mm-hmm. that have impressed. And I think he was an alum. And it's nice that he actually comes out and engages. So I think on that issue, I'd say at least he'd had good reason. But on the wider football issue, yeah, right. I mean, from a sort of financial point of view, it it makes sense to have the most fans in as possible, right?
2: You would think so. Uh, but again, we, we criticise Scottish football and Scottish football teams. And again, last night, We can't even watch it on Sky Sports. We can't watch it on any broadcast other other than the PPV service that Aberdeen put on. You subscribe to Celtic TV, Premier, Sky Sports, what's the other one, BT. Uh, You've got the season ticket pass. You've got a season ticket, but you can't watch the game. That's frustrating as well, JP. I mean, I obviously wasn't up at Patogia last night. I was in here and I covered the game with Ewan Martin, uh, who might or may not be. Yeah, yeah, there he is. He's actually in the comment section. So last night he's on the show and this morning. There he is, Hell hail, hail troops. And so, you know, you do feel as a Celtic supporter, though, a wee bit hard done by JP in that respect, and that you're buying all these packages just to watch Celtic games uh, and go to Celtic games. And then last night was yet another occasion, where the only way of watching that game other than a dodgy stream somewhere is to pay twelve ninety nine and watch it with two Aberdeen commentators.
1: Yeah, I mean, I paid what 27 pounds for a ticket and uh, I got the train up and then uh, very kindly got a lift back by pal Robbie. Cheers, Robbie. Um, so got back in the you know, I don't know about half twelve, one o'clock, um, last night. So, um, but all of that for me, although I was sitting in the home end and it was a weird experience, I've only done it a few times before in my life, St. Mirren, uh, Falkirk, Brockville, and Anderlecht in the Champions League now, that was a tough one because I had to sit in my hands when we, were, when we went 3-0 up in the Champions League it was, a, it, was a, it was a really hard one to, to do but um, but I uh, I just I just like going to the football matches I, I've sat in my flat for the last year and a bit or whatever or the whole of last season sitting watching games in my flat on my own unable to go and see anybody is it any surprise that my desire is even higher at this moment in time to go and watch football matches in person and then the allocations that are given to our support are so small and the demand is so high because I'm not unique. Everybody's the same. You know, other people have been chomping at the bit to go to the games um whilst we've not been able to because of the this uh, pandemic. So it's it's that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna and maybe not you're not gonna not gonna get it en masse, but you know, I, you know, nobody can come and shout at me for you know behaving myself in the Aberdeen end. And watching my team win. And it was it was you know, as much as it was not great in terms of I couldn't celebrate, you know, I just had a mask on so no one could see my big rye smile, which was <laughs> <the end. laughs> So I just sitting there absolutely loving life. Meanwhile, people around about me going absolutely mental, calling us septic and everything else. And I'm just Oh,
2: like, dear me. I've done it, crazy. I've done it once. I've done it once, and it was at Easter Road in the nineteen eighties. So probably not the best time to actually yeah. do it.
1: That's um, an insane choice, Paul. And uh, it's
2: from, from a young, um, foolish man, boy, yeah. at that yeah. time. Um, Brian, you've done it as well, done Old Trafford, not
4: you? Yeah, Celtic Man United, Champions League game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was assured when the on the bus in the way doing there was a ticket for me. And then I got there and I was the news was broken to me that there wasn't. The only ticket available was a home end. And I was in the, the full hoops, where had Daft fighting that East Garth. Right in the middle of it, I see a red, just myself. It was horrific, <laughs> um, and I think as I, I was steaming right, so just go off the bus. So at first I was I was boisterous enough, I was kind of clapping and seeing a lot of people and that and being a bit of a widow. and then about ten minutes in we scored first thing, like it was excellent, and uh, the average said you see the, the head start to turn, and I'm not going to lie, I bottled it, absolutely bottled it. I mean, oh no, so There's two Irish guys next to me, my new friends, that I tried to befriend. <laughs> I got and I got battered, but um, that was a tense, tense night. Um, were you
2: wearing one of the jester hats that Enrico Anoni wore after we stopped the ten? Were you wearing one of them? But did you make it that obvious, Brian?
4: I, 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 I think I had some form of hat when I got there. I remember the jacket, two um, hoops on, and we were right under the, the away stand. The like Celtic fans were up the top. Yeah, we were just going for it, and then they were shouting back and forth. And I was in the middle, going, "Oh, I need a break." But I enjoyed the game, but the good experience, but I started getting nervous around about half time. I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna go going to the toilet, or am going for a, a pie yet. I'll just I'll hang fire, make sure I'm safe and then tap it out when possible.
2: dear me. You put your life in your own hands. Martin O'Neill is in. That, Martin O'Neill, who knows? <laughs> Full throttle football and blowing teams away is great, but to expect it every week is a fanciful notion when in these narrow and tight games is another think potential champions need to be able to do. It. Absolutely. And um, when I was talk- uh, watching the game, even though JP we were up 2-0 at half time, I didn't get that same sense that I did, for example, against Rangers 3-0, um, against Hibbs 2-0, where you're really in cruise control. I didn't get that. I didn't think it was as free-flowing in the first half. Did you get that impression yourself up at Putaudry?
1: No, uh, I didn't. And But at the same time, you're thinking, well, we've not played really that great and not at the same levels as against uh, Rangers and Motherwell, but we're still two to the good. And you're like, well, you can't really argue with that. But the Aberdeen fans around me were absolutely livid at their team's lack of fight and, you know, just the general play in the first half. I mean, they, they weren't, although we weren't at, weren't at it, they were so far off it, it was unbelievable. They weren't getting near us. Um, and that was us And you know, a, a pretty low gear. So, I, I, uh, I the, the half time, something obviously happened at half time between the team and the Aberdeen dressing room, and they obviously came out and maybe Bruni's had words, or Bruner as he's called up there. They call him Bruner. Does, the, does, the, does
2: the, anyone call him Bruner?
1: No, no, they had a flag at the other side of the ground. Uh, so, the, the different corner from the beach end, they had a flag. I mean he's only been there what six months they've already got like a legend style flag with his face and Brunner written on it. So they got considering a load of them did they want him when they when they signed him and now he's you know the the, uh, the 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 hero of the of the of the place, you know. But no, they they came out in the second half and, and took the game to us, you know, they were physical and as you kind of sort of expect them to be. I mean, Rangers didn't have an easy game up there no. a few weeks ago, you know, I only came away with a point. Could quite easily have been the same with us last night, but I'm still curious about this third third goal that was ruled offside. It kinda of looked like he had stopped because it was right in front of me, but I don't know what the I don't know if he was offside or not. So well,
2: I'm glad uh, you brought it up on the, the WhatsApp this morning. when we were having a wee chin wag because um it prompted me to get in about the Celtic TV coverage. And obviously, uh, Tom Boyd is as balanced as they come on the <laughs> Celtic TV commentary team, um, but I did watch it several times just to try. It definitely was on because he curves his run. He, right. he does the old Larson thing. I'm not comparing the players before anybody says I'm trying to compare Jota to Larson, but you know how he used to do that horseshoe run where he runs towards the ball and then around the play. He does. He does that, um, and he's on side when the ball's played. There's no doubt about it. And then there was a suggestion of either handball or a push and there was absolutely no chance that Jota either handballed uh, or pushed the player and um, you know I think what took the sting out of it is the whistle blew before he kicks the ball so the mm-hmm. whistle blows then he finishes it but mm-hmm. there was absolutely nothing wrong with that that goal and since you brought it up um, and I was going to get it uh, to you anyway what was your thoughts on the, on the disallowed goal Brian as I say I've watched it time and time again with the, the balanced musings of uh, Tom Boyd and mm-hmm. For me, it was a perfectly good goal.
4: Yeah, I think it was a perfectly good goal as well. I don't see the, the huge issue around it. Um I think I think it was Ramsey was up against, wasn't it? I think he went down quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um made it look worse than it is, but yeah, I it, it <coughs> should have stayed. Um and then I suppose it balanced itself out with the controversy over the, the third goal where Abada potentially interfering with play. So yeah, I think the result would have been the same. I think the result of the three goals, it's just depending on what one you, you want to sort of dissect more. But certainly I don't think it was offside and I don't think it was a fill in the build up either.
2: Yeah, you'll get a chance to see it, no doubt, uh, JP. But um, with Brian on this, I don't think there was anything wrong with Jota's goal.
1: No, well, I mean, it, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like taking the Costa Coglu stance on it because I was behind the goal and you know, I didn't spot the 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 offside uh, line as he as he made the as he made the run, um, but for the third goal you got you've got Willie Miller and Pat Bonner both disagreeing over the third goal, saying yeah. one saying that it wasn't offside and there was no interference, and the other saying that it was, mm-hmm. and then there to there doesn't seem to be a you know a scathing widespread condemnation of that goal as being like completely offside and therefore it was you know it should have finished two two or anything like that. There seems to be
3: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q 2022 in Cox serviceable areas, visit Cox.com/slash internet for details. I don't
1: know. Whenever whenever Celtic are in these tight margins, the 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 benefit of doubt is very rarely given to Celtic, is it? It's always, you know, um kind of oh well, yeah, you know, they got lucky with that one or you know, whatever. And it's just like I've watched it a few times uh on various different uh, you know, Twitter posts and I, I can't even see What's wrong with it? I mean, I, maybe green titted specs, like you said earlier, but I, I I can't see what's wrong with it. Um, you know, they they put, yeah. their, hands up, they put their hands up immediately for offside as the ball goes through to Jota, and Jota's not offside. So no. that's what they're claiming for. They're not claiming about Abada. <laughs> they're putting their hands up for Jota and, and I thought it was a, It was a great finish as well, to
2: be fair. It was. I was going to mention the finish. Uh, Willie Miller obviously refereed about 500 games when he played for Aberdeen. So I'm going to take Willie Miller's take on this because he disagreed with Pat Bonner and he said there was nothing wrong with it. Abada wasn't interfering with play. Um, and yeah, the way that Jota finished it though, and I'll throw this one over to yourself, Brian, he just basically... You know, he doesn't panic, he plays it into the ground so that it bounces over the keeper. It was it was a brilliant finish. He might not get the credit for it. Um, but it, it begs the question. I mean, he scored a double on the strap line there, the importance of Jota. This man is so, so important. I know that in the early parts of this season, the early dispatches, it was all about Kyogo. And rightly so, Kyogo was sensational. Um, but at this moment in time where you kind of need that that hero, Jota's the man. Uh, and, you know, not just the creative side of it, but these important goals. That's the second time he's done that at Petorgy for us.
4: Yeah, the, the guy's a magician. He just pops up in the right place. I think he's, um, I think the, the, the first goal was almost even better for me. I think Riley's delivery in the box was incredible. And for Jota to chase that down in such a narrow margin to get it in was exceptional. But you're right about uh, your point about yeah. the amount of players we've got that are feel like superstars and talisman just now. You know, at the start, it was Kielo was the headlines. But now you're talking about Jota, you're talking about Hatati, O'Reilly, Abada. You're talking about Carter Vickers being strong at the bat. You're talking about how good Dralston's been, how good Juranovic is, the improvement in Roderick So And that's what good teams are about. And I know we're going to talk about it, but I think some of the reaction last night was, you know, was insane because people were going, oh, Hatati's rotten tonight." And so, well, do you know what? Sometimes when you've got teams, good teams... Some of the players don't shine all the time. But the fact is, if Tati is having a bad game, you've got a shorter. If they have a bad game, you've got a bad, I uh, know an rightly. And that's the brilliant thing with the squad that we didn't have at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jota is just incredible in his goal. The, the controversial third was, um, well, according to Bruner, Bruner, according to Bruner, it was controversial. But um, I, the technique was excellent. His turn had it in, composure. Just, just absolutely wonderful. I think he's a real... You know when you get players like when Van Dyke was at Celtic, when Yama was there, et cetera, and you think these guys, he's been here for long. I feel yeah. like there's a, maybe two or three in their team that I feel that about. And I think he's a real cut above what we've seen for the last few years.
2: That's an interesting point you brought up there because uh, quite a few years ago before uh, we had the... Um, the technology to go live and show people what we actually look like. And we were just a wee audio podcast. We had a conversation, Kevin, Colin Watt and myself had a conversation all around, um, you know, the team we could have had. You know, if you, you, you mentioned about specific players there who were quite clearly shining um, superstars of teams. And you could probably go right back to when we won the first of the nine and you could look through that that group of players over that period of time, because nine years, JP, you think, you know, they're all contemporary. Some of them will be a wee bit older by the end of it. But if you were to have changed your model and not relied on bringing a player in, selling them within three years for a profit, the team you would have had was... Astonishing. So you're talking, you know, Fraser Foster in goals, Tierney at left back, Van Dyke in the middle. You could argue about who par- partners him. Is it Boyata? Is it Denier? But you could go right through the team, you know, Yama and Dembele and Eduard and Paddy Roberts and the players that we've had um, within that period, Sinclair probably would get a game were incredible and then you ask the question what could that team do in Europe and it's a frustration of mine because I know that the only reason we have the individual players for that period of time is because they're on a promise that they're going to move on elsewhere so I totally understand that, I'm playing fantasy football but on the back of your point Brian, if we were to keep this group of players together, uh, because they're not hitting their peak quite yet, you look at Atati; there's a lot more to come and then you're able to supplement that with another couple of transfer windows, JP, and you're getting the quality in that Ange obviously um, is seeking to bring into the club, then you're looking at a situation where um, it's the real deal. I mean, at this moment in time, I'm getting carried away. We're sitting top of the league. Um, However, there's so much more to come from Ange. Another couple of transfer windows. um, And, you know, he brings in some more players like O'Reilly, who I'd never heard of when we signed. Um, Did I know any of the Japanese players before we had signed them, no, going to be honest, you know, and I'm pretty sure a lot of Celtic fans were the same. Had to go out there, do our research, find out where they played. Never mind how good they were, but if he's got that kind of ability to spot a star, we bring in another couple in the next transfer window and another two or three, then you're looking at a side that um, I think it's it's evolving right now. But it, it's a it, you know people are saying he's building something special, JP, and I think he is. Last night, you're going to get that in Scottish football right? The old adage, it was um, can you do it at Brockville on a, a wet Tuesday night? You're going to get games where you just got to grind the result out. And we'll talk about the character and the mentality around that. But can you see a point where we need to put the stoppers on this um, model, this recruitment model, and say, you know what, we're going to hold on to these players a wee bit longer this time round, so that we can build something special. Because I would loathe, I'm loathed to think of Hitate and the English Premiership I don't want to see Kyogo leaving the club in two or three years you know it'd be great to keep them together and actually build something something that might be able to make an impact um, outside of domestic football
1: Well as long as we can keep the manager because I think the manager is key to all of those guys being here in the first place and obviously ultimately staying um, with regards to uh, O'Reilly um Something made a point on Twitter this morning that that guy Riley McGree hasn't even kicked a ball for Middlesbrough yet, <laughs> you know. And you think of the contribution that uh, Matt O'Reilly. I know. I think think he might have had COVID within the last week or something like that. But other than that, he's not he's not contributed to Middlesbrough yet. Whereas you think of the contribution that Matt O'Reilly's made in the month of January and of late, um, you know, the guy does look really, really good and and feels like we have I mean, there's been a lot of stuff said online about it, but it feels like we've absolutely robbed MK Dons <laughs> of a player there. And you know, sometimes that happens to us. And uh, you know, it's it's nice to do it the other way around. With regards to the Japanese players, yeah, I hadn't heard of any of them with any uh real um kind of detail, but I did hear and I think I might have mentioned this before the guy, Liam, on Celtic Down Under podcast, he mentioned Tatati a long time ago, like probably last summer, when they were they had a conversation on that podcast about potential players that he could bring in from Japan. And he definitely mentioned Maeda, and he definitely mentioned Tatati. And I think maybe we already had Furuhashi almost in the door or, or, or whatnot. Um, so I'd heard of them through him. Um, but other than that, you know, obviously he's, he's you know, plucked a few gems and and the conditions last night were freezing. It was absolutely Baltic in that stadium last night. And I didn't have the luxury of being packed in in the Celtic away end where you might be getting a bit of heat from the person next to you. I mean, I I had four spare seats next to me. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it was just, I'm just sitting there absolutely (laughs) shivering and obviously didn't even get that sort of moment to celebrate Either team's goals because I was I couldn't celebrate the Celtic goals, and I didn't really want to celebrate the Aberdeen goals in any way that would give me any uh, uh, body heat or anything like that. So uh, I, I was I was on the plums and that's in that scenario. But um, yeah, regarding the team, the team together, I think was alluded to it in a recent interview where he kind of said we want to be in a position where we can take our game to anybody, and we have taken our game to to everybody that we've played. You know, Leverkusen, Betis. Mm-hmm. Um, which does whet the appetite to think that if we were fortunate enough to get into the Champions League, we might not be on the end of a scudding that we have in the past. Um, you know, obviously there's still a very high chance that if we were to pull, you know, a Bayern Munich or you know a PSG, then then that could happen. But if we got a decent draw, you know, where we weren't absolutely, you know, <laughs> you know punching or, uh, or trying to punch above our weight then uh, we could maybe, maybe come out of that with a bit more uh, dignity than we have in, in the past. Because, I mean, I was at Paris Saint-Germain that night. They scalped us 7-1 and uh, that is is—it's no fun. It's, you know, great going to Champions League away games and everything else and the banter during the day and being in the square and all that. But then when you get horsed 7-1, it's not really something you want to experience, you know, often. Um <laughs>
2: No, you never want to see a no matter who are playing. You never want to see a Celtic side on the end of a seven-one drubbing. Um, I'm going to bring in some of the comments here before I come back to you, Brian uh, Jungle Line, long-time viewer of the show. Welcome back. You're watching on YouTube. You can't play great every game over a season. You'll play like champions five or six times, play poor two or three times, and the rest you just grind out results like last night. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Chancellor, welcome to the show as well. Sorry, afternoon. Uh, you did think it was morning, but you know the mornings disappear. And um, yes, we have Steve McGonigal. Um, What a game! This is not good for the Nerfs. It was some game. Let's be honest. I mean, five goals, uh, disputed penalties, disputed, disallowed goals, etc. Um, a, a tremendous, a tremendous game for um, anyone watching as a neutral. Obviously, us three were not in the neutral camp. But you mentioned Ange Postacoglu. Um the other day. And last night I mentioned the fact, you might have heard, that um, I got a phone call from a good pal of mine, ex-football coach from 30 years ago, Mick Cotton from High Valley Field, if you're listening. Big shout out to Mick. And um, interesting enough, Mick kind of like fed my obsession with George Connolly because he's big pals with George. And he used to give everybody a football on a Wednesday night at training and say, right, do keep your up. He's, and he told us a story about George doing keepy-uppies at Celtic Park in the European night against Dynamo Kiev. You know, this young 16-year-old laddie for High Valleyfield going right round the stadium doing keepy-uppies. It's, it's part of folklore at Celtic. But that was Mick's pal. They grew up together in Valleyfield and he, he used to get us to do the keepy-uppies. And he started off my obsession with George Connolly, which led to me right the Quality Street Gang. Anyway, I hadn't heard from him for years. And he phones me up and he said, and it just came in my mind there when you were talking, J.P., he said, we must keep Ange. So I'm going to come to yourself, Brian. Ange Postacoglu, obviously, he's been in the door eight months. You look at the transformation. Uh, there were a few with an Axon team who had been battered by last season. And they were saying, you know, as long as we can keep in the title race, I don't expect us to win the league. I did. I want us to win the league every season. I, you know, I'm greedy that way we're in a situation where we're sitting top of the league. We're going up to Patorge on a Wednesday night, a freezing cold Wednesday night for a must-win game and we win it. Um, Ange Postukoglu, um, you know, Michael Nicholson's been given quite a lot of credit for signing players. Surely there's a priority working all, uh, around in the background here that we get him on a secure long-term deal because it's only a matter of time, Brian, before the Vultures start circling Celtic Park for Ange. Yeah, I think that's
4: right. We need the pen so. You need to understand this. Maybe Ange doesn't want the, the secure long-term deal. Maybe their own contract suits him just as much as it suits Celtic. And if we're honest, if we get Ange in a five-year deal, does it guarantee he's going to stay for five years? All it guarantees is it will get a, a payout if someone takes him, really, a la kind of Brendan Rogers. So uh, I'm kind of less concerned about the contracts um, for managers particularly, because I feel like I can't, the way Ange speaks... I don't think there's any sort of um, lies in him. I think he's very honest and very upfront and he seems very clear that he's determined to leave a legacy at Celtic. It seems when he speaks like he won't be satisfied unless he's left some sort of mark in this club when he leaves, when he eventually goes. And that's not going to happen just one season. So I've no worries about leaving anytime soon. soon. Um, interestingly though, when, we're ta- when you were chatting earlier about the retaining re- retention of players, Mm-hmm. So there's two factors I think with that. What I think would be interesting is if you talked about Celtic changing their transfer mode. What I think would be good is if we see we did win the league this year, right? We get an influx of money. See if they use that money to readdress the wage structure and maybe retain some of these players on bigger wages to stop them and get attracted to go elsewhere. As opposed to and the, the, the offset in that would be in you know, them spending the money in transfers because you've got such a key squad that might be something they could visit. I know they're, they're kind of want to do that, but if you look at the, the ages, you know, Abadda's 20, really 21, Hatati's just turned 24, Jota 22, Carter Vickers 23. Mm-hmm. These are guys with massive potential and sale on value. If you could retain him for a couple of years, the money you would make would offset the increase in wages you've started. So I think that should be something they could consider. Um, I, I just don't necessarily think that applies to the manager as such.
2: Well, Interestingly, um, I'm just looking at an email that came through here from one of our friends in Australia. And he was talking around this, um, it's been focused on recently, you know, the, the relationship between Ferenc Pushkas and Ange Postecoglou. It goes back to their time at South Melbourne where Ferenc Pushkas was obviously the manager and uh, Postecoglou was a player. And uh, at this moment in time, I won't say who this person is, it may become clearer later on, but in Australia, i got this message just this morning. Uh, South Mer- uh, Melbourne and its role is fundamental to understanding Ange, in particular, his deep understanding of football clubs as community institutions that give meaning, joy and comfort to people. South Melbourne was set up to help Greek immigrants in Australia, just like Celtic KFC was set up to help Irish immigrants in the east end of Glasgow. He gets it. So this is straight from um, a fan over in Australia, JP. So, you know, the suggestion that absolutely get him on a long-term deal, I get a different vibe from Ange. I don't think he would, you know... You know, Until the job is done, until the project and the race is run, I don't think Ange would uh, look elsewhere, regardless who was maybe sniffing about from the English Premiership. What's your take? Is that me just being an old football romantic, JP?
1: Well, it's obviously, uh, you know, we've been bitten on that particular front uh, by, so we sound the claxon, Brendan oh. Rogers. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I was. Uh, I was all in. My chips were all in on Brendan Rodgers. Never in a month of Sundays would I have expected him to disappear like a thief in the night and be paraded in a Leicester City suit, you know, within twenty-four hours. I mean, I don't think any, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of people will will sort of uh, use the benefit of hindsight and say, "Well, yeah, I knew that was coming, or it was only a matter of time, or whatever." But not to leave. In February, ahead of a game away away at Tynecastle, with a semi final on the on the following weekend, I I just I would never have thought that would have happened. Uh, with Ange Postacoglu, mm-hmm. my belief is that he wouldn't, you know, even dare do that. I don't think he would want to do anything that would tarnish his reputation with the support. I really don't. I I I unless I'm being completely stupid and naive. And I bet you there's one person I know right now that's watching and going, oh, you are, oh, you are. And, you know.
3: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: No, I, I, maybe I am, <laughs> um, but I, I, just, I just don't think he would do that. I really don't. I think he's cut from a different cloth. I've listened to him enough. God almighty, I've heard every press conference he's done, I've heard every post match he's done, um, and you know you like to think you can sort of glean a bit of what someone's about from those interviews and from him being, you know, brutally honest um, yeah. about, about his 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 love of football, his plans for this football club, um, and also the times that he's made mention of people making a mark at clubs as they pass through. We want to make a mark at these clubs and. He's seen firsthand in only six months what, um, you know, being at a football club and making a mark at a football club can do at somewhere like Celtic. Bertie Alds passed away. He saw the reaction to that. It's not pleasant that it's taken someone passing away um, to do that. Wim Jansen as well. So he's seen a former player uh, and, you know, huge, huge champion of Celtic beyond his playing days. And he's seen a, a former manager and he saw the reaction. So he knows that he he can be held in that sort of category and he's got an open road in front of him to be able to do a a blank canvas, whatever you want to call it, to do whatever the hell he wants to do. And he'll be thinking, sky's the limit here. I've got money to spend for the first time in my life as a a manager, because by all accounts, he's never really had a budget as a manager before. He's got the potential of nights like last Wednesday you know in Europe as well as what we did mm-hmm. to them last Wednesday I mean that is a again it's maybe maybe me just sitting there going oh you know I'm a Celtic fan or whatever but as someone who is just a manager in a job there's not many managers get opportunities to have have um uh <laughs> things like that in front of them to to basically play about with And have fun with, and he had fun last Wednesday and he admitted it himself. He said, Oh, I got a bit embarrassed at the fact that I was the last one out in the park. But I mean, think all of us would have been exactly the same, you know. Think about how great that must have felt after being so badly written off, you know. All all of these, you know, online Twitter memes, and you look at the replies to the original Sky Sports news post that announced his position, announced his uh, Mm -hmm. as manager. Have a look at that and get some popcorn because, believe me, it'll uh, make good reading. Given what he's done in the six months that he's been here, because he's made a lot of people look really, really stupid. In fact, I can't believe half of those tweets haven't been deleted because, you know, they're they're embarrassing, frankly.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, Paddy Lavery comes in to say Ange won't leave until he wins something in Europe. Now, I think there is a chance that that's in that is in Ange's mind because, you know, when he comes in at the beginning of the season and he looks at the task in hand and he's barely got a team. He's got one right back, and it's Tony Ralston, who at that point everybody had written off. Um, you know, he's he's forced to play Dane Murray in a Champions League qualifier, a must-win Champions League. He makes his uh, second appearance, his first start in a must-win Champions League qualifier. He knew what he was up against, but I still believe. Um, going by the way that he spoke in the, every interview that he, that he gave and conducted and everything that he said since, that within him, he would have believed he could turn it around. And, you know, when you think about European success, I've always said that our ambition season on season should be to be in Europe after Christmas. So we've done that, you know, um, albeit some people don't regard the third tier of European football to be anything to write home about. Uh, right, OK, so on the 25th of May, if we're in the final, you'll, you won't be wanting a ticket then. Um, and I think that there will be ambitions that he won't come out and talk about. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he does have these ambitions. Some people might think they're lofty at Celtic. Some people might think that it's impossible to achieve that at Celtic. Robert Highland comes in and says he wants to test himself in the Champions League. He can best serve this wish at Celtic. No EPL top four clubs are going to come in for him. And it's true. I mean, you go down there and you go to a club that's, um, you know, rich, cash rich, um, and the, the kind of money that's kicking around a lot of the 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 clubs in the lower reaches of the, the English Premiership. You've got no chance. You've got no chance of getting in, into the European places. Um, you might be able to play uh, with all the the transfer fees and buy players for twenty five million pound, as if it's just you know a quarter a million quid. But if you've got ambition to do something in Europe, there's a, a select few teams, Brian, that you can go to in England, unless you're going to, re, you know, revolutionise a club, which doesn't happen that often uh, in English football.
4: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to, to take note of here as well. Like, so the first one is in, in, in terms of Ange moving. Ben, in mind, as well, he's 57. You know, he's just moved off for Japan. How likely is it to want to start to move again and rebuild again, again, again? Now i not being agest, it might it might manage to play 70, but I don't think he's going to be in any or he's not some sort of young pop that's using Celtic as a stepping stone. This is a, the biggest, you know, management job he's ever had. So and he's doing it at a, a time in his life where he's family settled, he's very experienced and well, he's very happy. So I think there's that factor as well as is in the movement. Um, you know, when we talk about Brendan Rodgers, obviously he was a lot younger and I was like you, JP, I was really surprised he actually went and he did. But I did expect him to go at some point because oh, yeah. he's, you know, I, I thought he's got have ambitions of, of managing, uh, winning the Premier League. Um, in terms of the, the action about Europe, I think Angie's been quite open for he joined, that he wants us to be the absolute best we can be. If he's playing in Europe, he will be thinking, we want. I want to win this. I don't think he would ever go into a competition, Europe or otherwise and say, oh, you know, let's let's try and ride out a draw. Let's see if we can maybe get to the last 16. He's going, let's do our best to try and win it. Let's get to a point where we're evolving and we're constantly improving to where that's a realistic option. And if everyone gets to that stage, let's win it. If we win it, let's win the next tier. I think he's got that mentality where he just wants us to improve and not have limits. You know, he keeps talking about how we are And I agree with him. He's very much at the start of the journey. He, he keeps there's so much improvement in the squad, and he keeps getting asked, and he's also getting fed up, getting asked, but keep asking <laughs> about uh, progression. How close are we to the, the finished article? And he says, "Well, we're, we're nowhere near it because as soon as we get to that point, we need to improve and be better. There's no finished article. We just keep going, and you know, and, until we've achieved everything I want us to achieve. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's sitting in any signs. I think, you know, and look, I'm. I was one of the people that thought winning the league this year might have been too much given the rebuild. Um, and I'm delighted that it's looking like they actually, you know, we're probably favourites doing it now with the performances and the fact we're talking. The league um, and I'm stunned because I thought, you know, the, the rebuild was so big, I thought it's going to take two or three, four movie transfer windows to really get right. But he's he's and I think even by Andy standards he's he's further ahead than I thought. Given, you know, I think he spoke a bit well. As well, about how in general it generally takes a couple of years to win something, mm-hmm. right, he wants, whereas he's, he's you know, he's trying to condense it to six months because he saw that as a challenge he had to do. So, um, yeah, that, that, there's so much to look forward to, and uh, I think he'll be looking at the, the conference again thinking, I want us to win this. You know, I don't think he's thinking, Can we get semis this year? He's thinking, Let's win this, let's win four trophies this year in my first year, in my second year, let's win another four. You know, I think he's got a mentality and, and, I, and I think it's infectious.
2: And I think the players are buying into that as well. Well, Brian, I, I find it interesting that at the beginning, of, obviously because we don't delete our content, JP, uh, as much as there's some bad takes from all of us at some point, uh, it's all out there. And if you remind eight months ago to when Ange was was um, appointed, and you compare that to the amount of comments that are actually talking about European football and, and what Brian's just suggested there. It's an incredible, it's an incredible turnaround because for me, you think the um, European football for me growing up was virtually non-existent. It was virtually non-existent. So, and I've said this a million times, people will, will come up with a claxon for this one, but. Between 1964 and 1976, in those 12 seasons, Celtic reached at least the quarter final of European competition on nine occasions. That's a, that's a European superpower. We won one. We got to a final once. Uh, there were two semi finals, etc. But the last time we progressed to that kind of heady height was 1980, when we played Real Madrid and we beat them two nothing at home. They beat us three nothing away from home in the Bernabéu, and. From that point to Martin O'Neill's time, we never progressed beyond Christmas. So my upbringing was Celtic as a, as a domestic football club trying to win the league. It was never a European thing. You know, you, you played Germinal Ekeren or you played Nushatel Zamax. Uh, it lasted one or two rounds at the very best. Sometimes you drew a Borussia Dortmund or a Sporting Lisbon and it was a sexier fixture, JP. But as a European force, it didn't exist. And I remember growing up thinking we will never, get to the point of being a European side ever again. And then O'Neill comes along and he completely changes the mindset. Mm. He completely changed the mindset. And he never came out. You'll remember his his introductory um, words to the Celtic fans on on the steps at Celtic Park. He never came out and said, I'm going to win this and I'm going to win that. You know, he was very humble. And basically, he always put Rangers as the benchmark, didn't he? Um, Because it was a 21-point swing, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. back then and obviously and just come in he's not been banging on about european football in my celtic sporting life i, I believed under martin i knew we could do something in europe i didn't believe under Gordon strachan and he proved me wrong because he got us into the last 16 twice and i believed under brendan rogers that we could do something in europe and i got that wrong as well because we didn't we didn't really make a dent um under Ange, though i don't know it, it you know like you said before, you can get changed I mean, pretty quickly if you make lofty suggestions. But I think in the back of his mind, JP, he looks at the European heritage of this club, the star above the crest, and he, in his own mind, will have ambitions in Europe as well.
1: Oh, I mean, I think you'll need to look at what we did in such a short space of time. We was, you know, what, two, three months into the job and we're going toe-to-toe with Betis in Spain and then laterally going toe-to-toe with Leverkusen uh, in Germany. You know that's that's not with this team right now. That's fit and firing. That's there's no Hitati. There's no O'Reilly. You know there's no. You know we're months down the line with the Starfield Cameron Carter-Vickers partnership. You know Greg Taylor's back, and I don't know if Greg Taylor was playing at that point or if he was injured. Juranovic um, isn't the player he is. And by the way, Brendan Rodgers better get his hands off Joseph Juranovic. Like that, that that, that can happen. happen. <laughs> um, I really, really hope that's just uh, nonsense talk. But when you see Fabrizio Romano's name in and around it, you start to get a little bit concerned because um, again, he's one of those players that you want to see play for you know a couple of years at least. You know, mm-hmm. just to, you know, give him the opportunity to play in a in a more developed Ange Postacoglu side. But you know, it's not it's not lofty to suggest that you know next season in Europe we could do you know, better than we did this season and better than we did this season is if, you know, if we're in the Champions League, great, you know, we could maybe make a fist of it in that and if we drop down into Europa League, we'll go a bit further in the Europa League and, and qualify and make progress on on something we've not done for a while. Um, I really don't think that's, that's uh, uh, crazy to think. And when I think back to the Villarreal um, uh, winning side, there was a lot of stuff at that time about how little they'd spent on that mm. team Just, mm-hmm. you're, you're sitting there going we are Celtic how the hell are we not able to do something like that you know when we've got the, 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 the sort of the minerals to you know yeah, scout wisely get a good manager in who knows how to arrange a football team why are we not able to do that I'm not suggesting that we should be <laughs> winning the Europa League every season but when you see some a club like that go and beat Man United and and, and beat a Man United team that was like hundreds of millions of pounds, and obviously that happens every week now in the English Premier League. I mean, firmly like taking points off and stuff like that. But there's not exactly feet if you, if, it's, if a European side does it. But you know, it just make it just it, it puts up a, it flashes up a huge question mark in the sky to go. We could do we could do this. This is not beyond the realms of possibility that we could actually you know, have a decent run in Europe and, you know, who knows, depending on draws and whatnot, get, you know, to the latter stages of, of a competition because we, we've seen how good this team can play mm. and they absolutely dismantled the champions last Wednesday, you know, and this is supposed to be this side that's been hailed as this great side of, you know, one of the best sides in the last, you know, 20 years because they went unbeaten in a league season and everything else and... Uh, two defeats in 61 games or whatever it is, we absolutely battered them, humiliated I, them so, <laughs> you know you take that into the next level which is Europe and you know, I I, I wish we had, you know, a European game against somebody uh, you know, of note soon I mean, Bodo Glimt, we beat Bodo Glimt nobody's, nobody's going to give us that much credit for it because they'll just be like, oh well they're a European minnow, do you know what I mean but if we go out and hammer them, then might, maybe people might think differently but it's just a shame that we're in this lower tiered European competition but I guess none of us expected us to be any, in anywhere near European competition at the start of the season where we were just all going right the league's the most important thing if we can still be in with a shout at the league come January, February then you know we're, we're on to some sort of uh, positive strides and, and well we're top of the league and
4: mm-hmm.
1: top of the world Carpenters as was yeah. sang last night it. an original 1973 copy of the song that was uh, filling the stands in Petardia last night, which I was uh, quietly humming to myself. Humming. Underneath
2: yeah, the, underneath the face mask, <laughs> tapping,
1: what the, tapping the foot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, of course, the Decca label that's on the front of that uh, became the Oasis label that became the Axon label. So um, yeah, yeah. it's nice to recycle. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to talk about that jersey over your shoulder, by the way. One of my favourites, if not my favourite away top that Celtics ever had. But you're talking about how can we not do that? How can we not use our finances better? And you look at Hatati, Maeda, Edigucci, O'Reilly coming in at roughly the same price combined as a Jetty. And then you think, well, maybe we are on the road to it's quite clear we're on the road to doing it completely differently but going back to a point uh just going back to your experience last night jp i remember watching so dig it out if you get a chance the anfield rap um interviewed someone who was employed by liverpool to get bums on seats right so basically um i was listening in my back garden to the anfield rap and it was the episode that i thought to myself uh, i think i could do a Celtic podcast and it was an interview with, um, I forget his name, but he was a specialist and he had worked all over the world in different sporting arenas, not just football. And he was tasked with getting bums on seats at Anfield. And the interview he gave was completely um, mind blown when you think about the way that Scottish football teams and businesses go about um, their day-to-day running of their clubs. Because he said, at no point, should there be an empty seat at Anfield. And that's the first point that he he enters the argument at. At no point should there be an empty seat. And I think that if you market it properly, and we've heard it, was it Barry Hearn has said it also, if you market something properly, 10 years ago, what was the darts? 20 years ago, what was the darts, JP? Sweaty guys drinking pints and chucking arrows at a dartboard. Look at it now. It th- things can be marketed completely differently. And I think we're still at that stage with Scottish football where it's sweaty, overweight guys with, with pints chucking arries at a dartboard. That's where we are now with Scottish football. And it needs to be completely revisited and remarketed, particularly when you look at how easy it would be to have a streaming service online
3: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data. Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow.
2: iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, you know, for the worldwide fan bases to to tap into. So we're talking about some of these players that have come in as well, Brian. And we're fifty-one minutes in, and we haven't even really spoken about the game that much last night. But um, one of the discussions prior to the game was where um, do we go in terms of the centre forward? Is it Yakamakis? Is it Maeda? Maeda got the nod. Did you agree with that first and foremost? Before we talk about his performance, Brian.
4: No, I would have probably played uh, Yaki Marcus, to be honest. I think he looks a like confidence player, and I think he's played well the past few games. Um, up against, like, Big and Gallagher, I thought that would been a good contest for the start. Um, <laughs> Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Like, I thought me it was poor last night, I've got to be honest. It was a lot of endeavour, a lot of work ethic, but touches were, were really heavy at times, and, you know, he missed that chance for the header. He just looked... A wee bit off it, which is to be expected because he's still finding his feet. Mm -hmm. But with that in mind, you know, if it was Kyogo coming back to fitness, I'd have started Kyogo. But if he's in in a a degree of form and the team's getting used to playing with him up front um, as opposed to me making those runs, I I don't see why he changed it. Um, But again, maybe maybe Yakimakis needs the rest, maybe practically, let go. Uh, but for me personally, I probably wouldn't have changed it. Um, but again, hindsight's brilliant, because if me made a a hat-trick last night, then you, you're not talking about you, Marcus. So so yeah, I understand the rotation thing, and there's obviously reasons for it. Um, what I was surprised at is that, you know, Hitati looked quite off it, and I thought he might have took him off a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was a wee bit tight. It just, there was a wee bit of a kind of lack of energy in the midfield last night. And I'll not be negative, because... I thought the result was excellent. I thought the character we showed and mentality was brilliant. I mean, at the start of the season, people were saying, "Oh, Postecoglou's no plan B. Postecoglou can't see you at games. Postecoglou can't manage a game. Celtic can't even ugly. And we done all of them last night, and we happened that several times. Um, so there's a lot to admire in that, especially when if you're not playing well, you're, you're winning games. Um, but that said, there most things you could see. There was a kind of lack of energy from the midfield and. Um, that's that was pulling more uh, of concern than up front. Although, as I said earlier, I thought my Ada was, was quite poor last night.
2: I was watching it with interest um, because obviously it's going to be one or the other until Kyogo comes back to, to full fitness. There had been suggestions, JP, that both Jota and Abada can play through the middle. But then the quality of your right and left is, is dipping uh, dramatically if you bring in Mikey Johnson. And I'm going to say James Forrest, not because I don't rate James Forrest, but it hasn't quite hit full fitness and full sharpness yet. Yeah. So Maeda gets the he gets the call, he starts the game, Yakamakis is on the bench. If I'm being kind, I would say that Maeda chased down every single ball. His work rate is top, top class. And then sometimes the secondary benefit of that is that it's opening pockets of space for other people to to get into the Alexia O'Reilly can go in and, and destroy teams uh with with his uh with his guile and his passing ability. Um There was a chance at 12 minutes where it was a great move. It was a fantastic move by Ralston and Abada, actually. The cross comes in and he should have done better with the header. And I think that moment could have been... Um, the deciding factor for his entire night. Like Brian says, it could have just you know, uh, cracked on from there. He got his goal at the weekend, but he was a bit fortuitous with that, um, the wee dink off the, the player's uh, knee or ankle or whatever it was. But over the piece, he comes off at 75 and Yakimakis comes on and does what Yakamakis does. Are we, at the moment, looking at both those centre-forwards um, and thinking, well, you've got Maeda, who apparently was top of the shopping list when Ange came in talking about players to bring in from uh, Japanese football, he was ahead of Kyogo. He doesn't look like he's in the same kind of level as Kyogo, but I'm not writing him off because we've not seen enough of him. But he's working hard, as does Jackamakis. But at the moment, we don't seem to have that figurehead. I don't think we do have a striker that is, I mean, we're relying on Yota scoring a couple of goals in a midfielder in O'Reilly last night. I don't think we've got the figurehead once Kyogo drops out so far. What's your observations been with Maeda? Uh, from what you've seen, JP. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, like you say, as you know, industrious and, and he, he runs about, uh, chases things down. As you know, does Kyogo. I mean, Kyogo puts so much pressure on a on a keeper. That's uh, not real. Like hurries them into making mistakes. And uh, I think Maeda is the same. I think he's also a completely different type of player to Jack Amakis. Jack and Marcus on Sunday against Monaco, I thought was great and was the cause of. At least two of the goals, you know, his movement and pulling defence defenders away gave the space for um for the goal scorers on Sunday. Um and by the way, see on that, um remember after the Dundee United game, we got absolutely snake for having having a pop at Jackamakis. Or not having a pop at him, but basically saying he didn't play that well.
2: Uh, me, that was just in the WhatsApp group. Never mind Twitter.
1: I well, I mean, yeah, the the, the two guys I got I've told me last night I go week in, week out massive Celtic fans and uh, brought it up and they were like yeah if we'd have gone on air after that game and spoken about Jack and Marcus he wouldn't have got glowing praise from us either because he, was, he wasn't was very good mm-hmm. um, you know on the other side of that you could obviously say if he'd have scored that goal and Seagrass had made that save then he, he would have been the hero the bad that wouldn't have been but all in his play that day wasn't that great um, I think again it's one of those ones where it's a Wednesday night at Ptodre, it's freezing cold um, it's not a pleasant atmosphere really to play football wouldn't I wouldn't have thought um, and you know Aberdeen in the second half were a, a, a more committed outfit um, I, I, I don't think you know I'm not going to say Maeda should then get dropped for the next game I mean who knows what's going to happen on Sunday's game against Ray it he probably will play a strong side I can't maybe he played a strong side against Alloa away so why would he play a uh, really really weak inside at home against Wraith Rovers. he'll see it as an opportunity to entertain because that's what he loves doing and he'll want to put the best team in the park to do that so I couldn't I couldn't tell you what the team will be but I can't imagine it'll be far away from something resembling what has been the last few weeks Um whether that's Maeda or Jack Makis it's it's kind of good to have a different option up front, you know. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. just we've not got all well. At one point, like earlier on the season, all we had was Kyogo, and we were looking about, going, Who else can if he gets injured, which he has done? We had nobody else to come in. And I think there's so much attacking prowess in the front, the front sort of four, five, that you know, even if your striker isn't scoring a goal, Jota scores two last night, um, and O'Reilly gets one, uh, you know, gets off the mark as well. I think O'Reilly's probably going to chip in with a lot more goals between now and the end of the season because he's got it in his locker. I know last night was a deflection, um, but I still think that you know he's he's, he's got enough about him that he'll, he'll, he'll contribute a, a lot more in the goal-scoring uh, stakes between now and the end of the season.
2: The, the, the interesting thing is, uh, by the way, your two mates who just shared the car, we speak a lot of sense. Uh, I, yeah. agree, agree with me there. Uh, not. And when you look at the goal that O'Reilly scored, he gets the ball because Maeda's... Harry and the defender and he's having to to win a header and he's he's putting him under pressure. That's the kind of work that doesn't really get noticed that much. Uh, you know. And I think that after the Rangers game, I remember coming away from that, not thinking Yakimakis had played particularly well, but you go on social media and everybody's raving about Yakimakis that night. Um, and I remember Chris Sutton was going on about him as well. Yeah. So the following day, you sit down, you watch the game. When you remove the emotion, although I was still feeling, I was still buzzing the next day, you remove the emotional element of being in the moment and you watch it and you analyse the the performance a wee bit differently. Um, what we've got in Yakima is I think what we we thought we were signing was someone who scored a lot of goals. And I don't think we do have a player that scores a lot of goals in Yakima because I think he had a, a fairly prolific season last year in a very good league last year for a very poor side. So it comes to Celtic and you think he's going to replicate that because we create so many chances. I mean, if you're playing for a club that gets relegated and you still manage to score 20 plus goals, you think, well, you must, you're, you know, um, you must be scoring a lot of your chances. Your conversion rate must be high because mm. you're not going to be, you know, making a lot of chances against the likes Say Ajax, etc. It comes to Celtic, we historically create a lot of chances. There's a lot of balls, goes into the box. And I think that there was this feeling that Yakimakis would score a lot of goals. I mean, Scott McDonald comes in from Mullerwell, scores 32 goals for Celtic. A, because he's a good goal scorer. Um, however, the biggest reason for that is because of the chances that are getting laid on a plate for, for a, a striker wearing the green and white hoops domestically. So Yakimakis hasn't been that player that I think I certainly expected him to be. And I'm now looking at other areas of the game game that that are strong. Um, And he, you know, is strong. That's his biggest area is the physicality. There might come a point, though, and I think it might become frustrating when, you know, it can't always come down to Seagrass having a great game or Kelly having a great game or McGregor having a great game because you do need to get some kind of um, goal return from your centre forward. You know, you can't have a non-goal scoring centre forward. I know that became a thing a few years back, but you would expect them because there might come a point where uh, we're not getting that breakthrough and Yota's know, no scoring a couple of goals and the bad is not getting a purple patch of form and it's down to your centres forward and you need to score the goals. So I think there's a few tests before I'm completely convinced, but I didn't write them off. It's not like I called him Cascamakis or something, right? Because I've seen Tori Cascarino. I think I've seen every game he played. And he was he was rotten, and you could see it from you know the very early performances that he was rotten, and I didn't write Yakimakis completely off. Um, however, I'm not convinced yet, and hopefully he can come back into the side. Will he start against Wraith Rovers? I'll ask you first, Brian. Let's have a wee chat about the Wraith Rovers game coming up this weekend. There's a few that I've got question marks alongside. I'm thinking Rogic, Yakimakis, Julien, even Scales. Are any of these guys going to start for you?
4: I think so, yeah. I think you probably see Welsh coming back in as well um, just to, to, to try it up. But listen, like you were, you were talking about the Yaki Maki, it's the same with Mati I just don't think that did a great game last night. I think he's got a brilliant player for us. You're allowed to criticise players if they're not having a great game. Hatati wasn't great either and I was doing who saying his name last week. So, like, it, it's, nobody's writing anybody off. Um, and I think that on the cup game against Raith I can agree with JP I don't see any reason why you won't play a strong side he's determined to win trophies I think you see a bit of rotation but the good thing is if we're rotating a full 11 now it's still going to be strong and that's the advantageous position we're in versus the start of the season so I think was a strong side um, I think Maida might start actually just um, just to, to try and give him another chance to get through 90 minutes under his belt um, but you really don't know and I suppose that's part of the excitement
2: yeah, what about yourself, JP? I mean, after all these players into in the mix, Julien was part of the, the squad last night. He didn't make the bench. I was mm-hmm. reading this morning that Dembele was also part of the, the squad last night. That That's that's brilliant as well to see him coming back in. But the skills thing, I'm just looking at um, if Cameron Cattervickers or Starfield get injured or suspended at some point, mm-hmm. um, the go-to at the moment is Welsh. So you're kind of thinking, well, let's get some game time and, and scales his legs in his preferred centre-half position, let's get Julien some game time so that if we need them between now and the end of the season, they can be called upon and you're going to be a wee bit more confident that they're going to have that sharpness. That, that's why I've thrown Julian and Scales into the mix. Rogic, how do you fit him in? Do you automatically take Hattati out because he was not his usual uh, standard last night? And Yakamakis, it's it's a coin for me between him and, and um, Maeda. But the, the one thing's for sure, in the Aloha game, probably reaffirmed this, You've got to play a strong side. I mean, we've seen it. Remember, we drew against broth at home, but to go away and, and we beat them one nothing. Adam Matthews, um, and we know all the famous games we have been beaten.
1: Fern went extra time. Yeah, under Rogers, mm-hmm. you know, Aloha at home uh, when they had Jack Ross. That was a tough game. You know, I, I, there's no way we can take it for uh, granted that we're just going to you know steamroll them. I hope we do, obviously, but I mean, I, I certainly I'm not going into that game going putting bets on for. Five, six, seven, 6 7 or anything like that it's, it doesn't it doesn't work like that I would imagine Beton might come in he will obviously have an eye on Bodo Glimt which is amazingly next Thursday and mm-hmm. um, I kind of believe that's come around as quickly as it has but um also looked into the away trip <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before on here, but my word that is not an easy place to get to I think we've got 500 tickets or something like that mm-hmm. um, and, you know, fair play to anybody making that journey because it is it is not a, you know, a two-hour direct flight, you know, and then, you know, sunshine. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty much the Arctic Circle. And it must probably take whatever airport you get to. You're going to then need a further hell of a journey after that to actually get there. Because if you look it up on a map, it's just this little dot in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing round about it. So, um, but yeah, I think he'll have a knife on Sunday for, for Thursday. So maybe McGregor might get a rest mm. uh, and bring Beaton in. Forrest may start instead of Um uh, because um, he obviously didn't start last night. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be wholesale, wholesale changes. Maybe he might give uh, Bane a game because it's home. I, d- I don't know. It's, that's just total speculation. It's just, you know how these things usually go in these cup games. Players come in to get to get a ninety minutes under their belt, um, and you know we'll just we'll, we'll take it from there. Just hopefully we're in the in the hat the next day. Ra- Rafe Rovers is a is a, is a have, we've beaten them plenty of times since ninety four, but that will always haunt me. The, yeah. the, league, the League Cup final that was a, that was a, it was not a pleasant night. That
2: that was a sore one, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and um, never watched the game back. Never will. Now. Um, JP, it's always a pleasure. We haven't actually um, hit the claxon the for the music chat today, so we need to return to that next week. Um, Brian, it's been I'm a pleasure. To- oh, we did, we did, we did. And I dead mean, the Oasis, yes.
1: Proper old-school uh, Celtic <laughs> part of that Top of the World song. I've not heard that since the 90s. And it's not as if we've not had opportunity to sing Top of the League looking down on the Rangers in the last decade. But for whatever reason, it's just, I don't know, it's just never been sang. And then mm. all of a sudden, out of nowhere at Petardry, it's just there was there was the anthem of last night, and it's great to hear because I, I remember that fondly. Also, remember fondly singing "We'll Meet Again" um, via Lynn at uh, any team that was getting relegated. That that, that was always a, a really uh, <laughs> enjoyable chant. I remember singing it against Hibs at Celtic Park when they were going down under Alec McLeish, if I remember rightly.
2: Uh, I remember the Pars sang "Happy Birthday, Dear Celtic," and we sang back you'll be back, you'll be back, you'll be back. And then it all went a wee bit sour with Chris Sutton a few years later. By the way, that ticket to your right as you look on the screen isn't a Wraith Rovers ticket, it's Blackburn Rovers. We played them in a friendly, it was at Hamden. I remember that well. We beat uh, 1-1. It was one each. Andy Walker scored. Um, So thank you, Brian, for switching your Wednesday to a Thursday. Thank you, JP Mason, for joining us as usual on a Thursday. And thanks, everybody, for getting involved. If you haven't done so already, get yourself on the YouTube channel. We've got massive content coming your way. So excited about a lot of the things that we're working on and we'll be putting it on the YouTube channel. Fully produced, all free of charge. So thank you all for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind.
0: When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203.
3: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet.